Bounce back, throws it out in the flat to Joel Thomas. He scores! The Vandals win! They caught him by surprise! Three Stormy's 98 Vandals made the Big West learn the hard way. When it comes to Idaho football, you gotta watch these guys. Watch the Idaho Vandals under the open skies of Bowman's Martin Stadium against Washington State, North Texas, Utah State, and Boise State. 99 Vandal football. The Vandals are the Big West champions. How about that? You gotta watch these guys. Call 1-88-88-U-Idaho for season tickets. Welcome back to the second week of the Big Sky Podcast Network Power Rankings. This is Brian Marceau. It's a solo show, no co-host. We're going to jump right into the Power Rankings, guys. This is The way this works is pretty straightforward. The Big Sky Podcast Network, in conjunction with some Big Sky media reporters and a couple other Big Sky media figures, we vote each week on Power Rankings 12 through 1. The uh, results are presented here. That's just the average rankings. If you're curious about individual voters, obviously connect with them on social media. All of us are game to do that. Before we start, this is on the, this, even though this is presented on Tubbs at the club's channel, this is a Big Sky Podcast Network show. But still, we are sponsored by Hughes River Expedition and Tap, Tap the Keg, University of Idaho event. Coming to us to everyone in Moscow immediately this week, September 16th. Drink beer with Coach Jack before the home opener football game at Tap the Keg. The University of Idaho Alumni Association invites you to an on-campus Oktoberfest, September 16th. Tickets include 10 beer tastings, a commemorative glass, live music, and new memories with your favorite kinds of people, a.k.a. vandals. You don't have to be available to go, but that's what you'll see. You don't want to miss the event. Check out uidaho.edu backslash tap the keg for tickets. That's it. And look, that, that's going to lead us into next week. We're in the final week of out-of-conference play. So you're going to get some mixed results because, as it, look, if you're new to Big Sky, different schools have different budgets. It means there's different. not all out-of-conference schedules are created equal. But without further ado, we're in Around the Bar since it's Tubbs of the Club's channel producing this. That's brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. Number 12, Big Sky Podcast Network Power Rankings. No surprise here, guys. Back-to-back -back weeks. Northern Colorado comes in last place. This week, look, the story is both the same and different. Northern Colorado in week two, they're, they're traveling to Laramie, Wyoming, playing University of Wyoming. Mountain West team, pretty solid team. Not the best Mountain West team in the league, but certainly not a terrible one. The kind of team that if Wyoming were in the big sky, you'd probably expect they'd win the big sky. Well, Northern Colorado goes down 33 to 10. And this is where the story is both the same and a little bit different. Dylan McCaffrey starts at quarterback. That was a real question after week one where Dylan McCaffrey played for about the first three quarters. Didn't look particularly great because that's who he is. Jacob Sermon transfer from Central Michigan comes in in the fourth quarter. Northern Colorado scores 20 of their 34 points in the fourth quarter. Question for a while was who would start week two when Jacob Sermon clearly looked better than Dylan McCaffrey. Northern Colorado clearly looked better when Jacob Sermon was out there. Well, Dylan McCaffrey starts. It goes uh, realistically how you would expect when Dylan McCaffrey is out there. He finishes three of eight for 35 total yards and an interception. Uh, by the way, that eight attempts, 35 yards 
Not a shocking number at all. McCaffrey has 211 yards on the season and 32 attempts. If you subtract his 155-yard pass in week one against Houston Baptist, dude's averaging five yards per attempt. That's exactly in line with what he averaged last season, 4.99. That is just who Dylan McCaffrey is, a five yards per attempt passer where you're comparing whether his output is uh, – it's more analogous to running a good running back's yards per carry than a quarterback. Now, again, Jacob Sermon takes over. And, look, again, if, if Northern Colorado lost 33-10, to 10, obviously the uh, impact wasn't that that dramatic, but at least Northern Colorado got on the board once again. Uh, Northern Colorado looks much better offensively with Sermon there. His final line, 12 of 27 for 91 yards and an interception. Not exactly lighting the world on fire, but Northern Colorado scored all 10 points while Sermon was in. Also, Northern Colorado had it at, uh, they were down 16 to 10 at the end of, they were down 16 to 10 in the fourth quarter before Wyoming truly separated. But anyway, that's the basic story. And again, heading into this week unless northern colorado makes an announcement about quarterback that is going to be the total story about northern colorado a couple other things to run through transfer elijah dotson running back one of the best running backs in the league rushes 12 times for 32 yards has five catches for 31 yards not fantastic lines but look come big sky play dotson's going to be a name to remember uh receiving uh, cassidy woods washington state transfer two catches for 25 yards uh, the Northern Colorado is led by Ty Arrington, two catches for 32 yards. But look, I don't need to go that much in to uh, individual stats when team scores 10 points. Uh, look, the, the real story here for Northern Colorado last season, their offense was terrible. Well, Northern Colorado amasses 147 total yards against Wyoming. No one's going to win any games like that, which is the downside for Northern Colorado too. And we'll, I'm going to transition away from Northern Colorado pretty quick. We went a little bit longer last week on Northern Colorado. But look, the Bears hold Wyoming to 293 yards and lose by 23. Holding teams to 293 yards, if that were an average weekly total, that defense in the big sky would be considered elite. But look, it, it, the Bears, like I said, 147 total yards. They turn the ball over three times. They force zero turnovers. Hard to win a lot of games that way, and they're going to continue to stay at the bottom of the conference if they keep starting Dylan McCaffrey, which look for Northern Colorado fans. This should be maddening because even though Northern Colorado is easily in our voting, the number 12 team, this is not the 12th most talented team in the big sky. But until Ed McCaffrey makes a change, particularly with his family members, that it, their status is just going to remain here unless some other team who we're about to talk about just just completely implodes coming in at number 11 idaho state Bengals. idaho state Bengals travel to san diego state this is the second consecutive mountain west game for idaho state uh, spoiler alert if idaho state were in the mountain west they would probably finish last the Bengals lose at san diego state 38 to 7 and look, first year Charlie Ragel, head coach Charlie Ragel, is he's just going to be in for a very long year. The story here, Tyler Vanderwall, starting quarterback, goes down with a shoulder injury. Same shoulder he hurt and made him miss all virtually all of 2021. He played a couple games in 2021. Re-injured the shoulder. Devastating news because in both games, look, Vanderwall got hurt 
against UNLV last week when the Bengals lost 52-21. Came back this week, only gets off five passes before he goes down. He's two of five for 84 yards and a touchdown. The the touchdown he threw to Xavier Gullery, 75-yard pass. And, and that's essentially all the offense that Idaho State was going to get. Credit to Charlie Regal. Last week, I talked about the weird commitment Regal had to running the football against UNLV while the Bengals rushed 40 times, averaging 1.3 yards per carry. The rush-to-pass ratio did change this week, which makes a lot of sense. The This time, the Bengals passed more than they, they rushed, uh, 40 pass attempts to 33 rushing attempts. Team average 2.3 yards per rush, so it makes makes a ton of sense. Uh, Raiden Hunter had a much better game this week, 13 carries for 53 yards. But look, the team goes down 38-7, gives up 488 total yards, only 108 yards through the air for San Diego State, but San Diego State is not a pass-heavy team. Uh, downside, Friday State give up 380 yards on the ground, 8.8 yards per carry. They do force two turnovers out of San Diego State, but obviously it doesn't matter when they lose by 31. And you know, Idaho State averages 2.4 yards per rush. I'm going to go back to the quarterback thing again. Look, this is we've talked about quarterbacks on the last two teams. That's not the only story we're going to pay attention to. But for Idaho State, man, Vanderwall going down is a big deal. Hunter Hayes is the number two quarterback. He goes in 18. He goes 18 for 30, 140 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but 30 attempts, 140 yards. That's Dylan McCaffrey territory under five yards per attempt. That's really essentially who Hunter Hayes is. He had a ne- he had a negative touchdown interception ratio last year, or it was right around a negative touchdown interception ratio. There's a reason Hunter Hayes was, did not win the job. Saying Gronauer came in for even further relief. So Idaho state plays three quarterbacks. He goes four or five for 34 yards, but look, even going four or five, it's 34 yards. So again, we're at six ish yards per pass attempt. Idaho state just look, it's going to be great news for the Bengals to get out of their out of conference schedule. Uh, Good news for Idaho state is they finally have an FCS game on, on their slate. The, Maybe further good news. They're playing Central Arkansas, an 0-2 team. However, Central Arkansas typically is uh, flirting in that top 25. I would expect Idaho State to drop next week and stay in that 11-12 to ratio. Right now, I think of Idaho State as probably the least talented Big Sky team. Talked about last week, Regal has 51 transfers in. It's just going to take a few years for this ship to turn around, especially if their pretty talented quarterback goes down. And now the question is, look, Idaho State can't run the ball. And now without a quarterback, they can't pass. What do they do? Well, what they do is lose games. Coming in at number 10, Cal Poly. Now, the, our top three, same as last week. Cal Poly has at least a, a little little glimmer of hope. Cal Poly beats San Diego 28-27. to 27. Now, asterisk. San Diego is a pioneer conference team. Schools don't give out scholarships. Big Sky teams should beat the shit out of Pioneer Conference teams. And Cal Poly did not. Honestly, Cal Poly heading into the fourth quarter trailed 24 to 10. Sorry, 24 to 14. 12 minutes left in the game. Cal Poly's down 27 to 14 to a 
Again, a really not particularly good football team. San Diego, they're fine for Pioneer Conference, but Pioneer Conference teams are should not be compared to Big Sky teams whatsoever. Well, Jane Jones leads leads Cal Poly back, throws a, t- a 19-yard touchdown to Ryan Rivera, and then a 35-yard touchdown to Chris Coleman. Cal Poly holds on for the win. Overall, freshman Jane Jones, that's a quarterback. Surprise, who surprise quarterback beat out Spencer Brosh goes 26 of 43 for 390 yards and four touchdowns. So, hey, that's a little bit of glimmer of that Bo Baldwin-esque kind of offense that people have expecting to see out of Cal Poly. It's just, I don't know, realistically, you'd hope it wouldn't take four quarters for that to click that much. I mean, 300 yards, he didn't get it all in the fourth quarter, but that's a decent amount of yards accrued for a team to have 14 points at the start of the fourth quarter. I mean, Cal Poly didn't even score in the first quarter, has seven at halftime. That is that should be pretty embarrassing against a pioneer conference team leading rusher for Cal Poly is Shakobi Harper, 17 carries for 41 yards, but also a quarterback Jane Jones adds 13 carries for 26 yards top receiving target. And th- this was a guy who you heard on the broadcast reference quite a bit as probably the most talented wide receiver on Cal Poly, Chris Coleman, nine receptions, 109 yards and a touchdown. Uh, number two receiver yardage wise is Tyrese Fairley Dayum, two receptions for 85 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but big takeaway for Cal Poly. Yes, they got to win. If Cal Poly is going to feel okay about their season whatsoever, they're going to have to pick up wins like this. Mustangs finish with 460 yards total on the game, which that once again feels like a Bo Baldwin team. Asterisk. Cal Poly averaged two yards per rush, 67 rushing yards on 33 attempts against San Diego. If you're trying to extrapolate into the big sky, that means Cal Poly will be able to run on virtually no big sky team this season if that's what they're going to do against San Diego. But 393 yards through the air, and Bo Baldwin at least has the ratio correct in terms of play calling, 44 pass attempts versus 33 rush attempts. I'd expect in Big Sky play for that number to get a little bit more heavily skewed because the only way this Cal Poly team is really going to move the ball against Big Sky teams is through the air. Uh, Rushing, again, Cal Poly last week against Fresno State, their D-line looks surprisingly stout. And look, San Diego rushes for 103 yards on 30 attempts, 3.4 yards per attempt. That's a little more in line with what we saw last week. So that's back-to-back weeks of the line, at least looking relatively impressive. But through the air, through the air, Fresno State annihilated Cal Poly as they should have a good Mountain West team. Uh, But, you know, this week, San Diego could move through the air. Okay, 21-37, yards per attempt. The bright side here for Cal Poly is forced three turnovers picked off three passes the downside even with three turnovers cal poly almost found a way to lose to a team cal poly absolutely has to be able to be if they're going to have a prayer to have a promising season uh, for them next week cal poly plays uh, south dakota that's mountain uh, sorry missouri valley team that's coming off uh, well we'll talk about south dakota and what their week was uh, that is that's going to be a rough matchup for Cal Poly, but this is South Dakota might be the best barometer for what this Cal Poly team actually should feel like heading into big sky play week one. They should have be they should have got their ass kicked by Fresno state. And they did Cal Poly week two should have killed San Diego. They held on. Every team has a down week. 
I know while I was watching this game, I didn't feel that promising about Cal Poly, even though you still see those moments where you can see Cal Poly's becoming the team Bo Baldwin's wanting to make turn them into. There's certainly progress from last season, but as far as this year, there's still a lot, there's still a lot of moments watching Cal Poly both offensively and on defensive side where it's apparent the talent isn't quite there. But this is a good week for Cal Poly. They finish with a win. We're done talking about the Mustangs. Coming in at number nine, top five is Portland State. Now, Portland State, week one, looked pretty solid. Should have beat San Jose State. Did not. Uh, week two, look, if you're a Portland State fan, just write week two off. They played University of Washington. University of Washington is a good Power 5 football team, a good FBS football team. There, Portland State had no chance. Again, 52 to 6 is the final score at the half. It's 31 to 3. I don't think I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about this game. Really, look up Dante Sachere goes 6 of 17 for 50 yards, no touchdown, no picks. Team rushes 31 times for 81 yards, but when the team passed, 7 of 20 for 50 yards. I, there's nothing really to pick apart here. University of Washington outclassed Portland State. That's the point of University of Washington scheduling this game in the first place. Yeah, we're we're just gonna look, we're just gonna move on. Portland State is going to look much better come big sky play than this. Uh, but this is this is a week, a rough enough week for Portland State, which I don't hold this against them, that will bring into question in terms of fans, in terms of overall per- perception of the team. Was week one against San Jose State, was that a little bit of uh, week one rust out of San Jose State while Portland State hits the ground running? It's sometimes hard to generalize what an impressive loss means for an FCS team, especially against an FBS opponent. We're not going to find out anything for Portland State for a while because uh, Portland State, like they're out there, the other team in the big sky who they have a non- FCS or non-FBS next uh, next out of conference opponent, which doesn't take place until uh, the 10th of October. Portland State is going to be the uh, the Big Sky team that's on a bye next week, so it's going to be quite a while. We're not going to see Portland State take the field until September 24th at Montana, and that may help us out. But I don't know. Uh, they're probably. Just, Portland State's probably just licking their wounds and there's nothing else to do here. Uh, still is a team that looks like they're talented enough to be in that mid-tier of the big sky. Portland State's strong defensively. Last week, Dante Sachere as, as replacement quarterback looked good enough. The wideout room is better than you might guess. Everyone knows about Bo Kelly. There's also Emmanuel Digby, former all-big sky player. Uh, Nate Bennett, solid wide receiver. He led them with catches against Washington. Of course, it was three for 25. We're moving on from Portland State. Look, we have another couple games like this this week where it's uh, the FBS teams pay F- Big Sky schools for the Big Sky schools to get their asses kicked. And a couple games it worked out that way. A couple games it did not. We are moving on from number nine, Portland State. And we are going to go to number eight, Eastern Washington. Okay, we're going to speed through this, man. This is back-to-back ass kickings from from good Pac-12 teams. Eastern Washington falls 70 to 14 against Oregon at Oregon. 
University of Oregon coming off their own ass kicking against Georgia week one. This is a get right game for Oregon. They got right. Takeaway here for Eastern Gunnar Talkington last week's big sky player of the week can't accrued 408, 408 yards and five touchdowns against Tennessee state. He's 12 of 21 for 87 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, but well, 87 yards. You, you guys can handle math there. Eastern rushes 28 times for 100 yards. Leading receiver is no surprise. Freddie Ro- Roberson, three catches, 33 yards and a touchdown. Roberson and Efton Chismuther are all big sky level talents. This was just not the place for, for them to show that. Team stat wise, Eastern. Look, this is exactly what I'm saying. These games are meaningless. Eastern Washington is a good offensive team, accrued right around that 500 yard mark in week one. Might have been a little bit over. Like I said, Gunnar Talkington himself accrued 408 yards. Well, the Eagles come up with 187 yards against Oregon. Oregon comes up with 604. No takeaway here, except that a very talented FBS team paid for a win and they got it. Eastern gets Eastern's going to just move on from this game. And I'm going to move on from this game as well. Next week, next week, East man, Eastern Washington has a, uh, they've got a weird schedule. They are Eastern is not on next week either. They're gonna, their next game, their next, sorry, their next out of conference game is going to come against Florida it's just a rough, it's going to be a rough early season for Eastern Washington. Cause like we just covered, just got killed at Oregon. They're absolutely going to lose in their, their next out of conference game against Florida, which is October 1st. But in between those two games on September 24th, Eastern, Wa- Eastern Washington is going to host Montana state. So one, Thank God for Eastern. They picked up that week one win. That's that's why Eastern coasts in at number eight in spite of the rough week. But this is structurally the difficulty of Eastern season. Already covered, started with Tennessee State. Then they have Oregon off a week. Then they have Montana State. Then they travel to Florida. Then they travel to Weber State. Then they host Sacramento State. Eastern might not have a win on their schedule until October 22nd, hosting Cal Poly. Just a real rough season start to, to a season transition. Don't sleep on Eastern after those first after those that month or so is out the window because in week one, look, this team looked showed they can score. They showed they absolutely cannot defend the run. But this team is worst case scenario going to finish in that 500 ish range. Aaron Best knows what he's doing. Gunnar Talkington's good enough. They're loaded to the skill positions. That's essentially a quint- that's a quintessential Eastern team. Moving on from Eastern Washington, coming in at number seven, UC Davis. UC Davis last week, they lose at Cal. This week, Weber State's hosting an FCS team that looks, looked pretty damn good in week one. Or, sorry, they're traveling to South Dakota State, playing the Jackrabbits. In week one, South Dakota State lost at Iowa 7-3. This is the top four FCS team in the nation. UC Davis hangs tough, goes down 24 to 22 in a game. Davis absolutely could have won. Some box score anomalies uh, to go over. South Dakota State's quarterback, Mark Gronowski, is uh, he's coming off a knee injury, but he's a 
early, early guy to slot in as a potential Walter Payton and Mord uh, candidate. Well, he hasn't looked like it the first two weeks. You, you can write off the first week at Iowa, but Davis pass defense holds Gronowski to 110 yards on 21 attempts, going 13 to 21. Gronowski throws one touchdown. Davis picks him off twice. So going against an FCS, a good FCS caliber team, UC Davis defense holds, holds pretty well. South Dakota State only accrues 250 total yards. The fact that, look, you give up 250 total yards. If you're UC Davis, you're kicking yourself for not winning this game. Further, UC Davis wins the turnover battle. One turnover for Davis, three turnovers for the for the Jackrabbits. This is a game, again, Dan Hawkins and co. are going to say they absolutely, absolutely should have pulled this one out. Miles Hastings, uh, first year as, a, as starting quarterback, goes 26 of 43 for 273 yards, throws three touchdowns and an interception. Early on, looked pretty shaky. His pick in the first quarter was a pretty bad pick, clearly steadied uh, to keep the game close. Yulonzo Gilliam, who rushed for over 100 yards against Cal, not quite as effective against San Diego State. Gets 11 rushes for 33 yards through the air, though, because Gilliam's a dual threat, eight receptions for 80 yards, no touchdowns. Lan Larison, one, one of the top receivers for UC Davis, he leads the team with 80 total yards, four receptions, so fewer than Gilliam, but he hauls in a touchdown. In addition, uh, McCallan Castles, three receptions for 36 yards. Uh, Takeaway here. Maybe Davis is going to be okay. Uh, first week is hard to take much away from. They lose to a Power 5 team. Cal, not a very good Power 5 team, but still, they, they lose in a game where Davis did not really threaten. This is a top flight. South Dakota State is a very good FCS program, and Davis pushed them to the limit. Lose, they end up losing the game by two. Maybe Davis is stronger than we thought. And this also might just portend the big sky being a very deep conference. If a team like UC Davis, who this is probably the most impressive FCS loss of the early big sky season. The team like Davis is coming in at number seven. It means a lot of teams are looking solid because traveling to South Dakota, playing a top five team, almost picking off the upset. That's a pretty damn good showing. Also, Miles Hastings looked rough. Look, Miles Hastings did not look good last season. Had negative touchdown to interception ratio. Yeah, he was a freshman. So, look, players get better. Players improve. Hastings also did not look that great in week one. But this is, again, his performance this week. Three touchdowns, 26-43, 273 yards comes against one of the best FCS teams in the nation. Next week, UC Davis will conclude their out of conference schedule with very likely an easy win. They play San Diego, San Diego, who just lost to Cal Poly probably feels like they should have beat Cal Poly Davis is going to have, that's going to be UC Davis's get right game. Just like Oregon, uh, Eastern Washington was Oregon's get right game. Look for Davis to head into big sky play one and two, but feeling better with at least one FCS win at number six. This is one of the maybe surprises, kind of interesting the way uh, Northern Arizona has played this out of conference. Northern Arizona Lumberjacks, they're number six. Lumberjacks playing Sam Houston at Sam Houston. 
Now, Sam Houston, are they're not going to be ranked in FCS play because Sam Houston's transitioning to FBS. They have more than the 65 allotted scholarships for FCS right now. Sam Houston's going to be in Conference USA. If Sam Houston was, was allowed to be ranked, they're probably a top five, at least a top 10 FCS team. Well, Northern Arizona beats Sam Houston 10 to 3. Incredible. Because Northern Arizona defensively last couple years has been pretty damn bad. They were past defense last season. They were battling out with Idaho and Idaho State, depending on what stat you choose to reference for worst in the conference, pass pass defense efficiency. Northern Arizona was among the worst in the nation. 10-3 game, I don't need to tell you, that's a defensive battle. A little bit surprising as a defensive battle on the Northern Arizona side. Look, they accrued 314 yards. Not fantastic, but uh, not the worst off- offensive outing. Lumberjacks hold Sam Houston to 252 total yards, including 111 through the air, 141 on the ground. NAU picks off Sam Houston once as well, forces two total turnovers, an interception, and a fumble. Individual stats. And this is where now this is kind of the curveball here. Uh, RJ Martinez, one of the best quarterbacks in the big returning in the big sky this year through as a freshman starter, took over during conference play. 13 touchdowns, one total interception. Well, he's blown through that one total interception uh, from last season through two picks last week, one this week. So that's three total picks in two games. He's thrown for 306 yards. Last week, Northern Arizona traveled to Arizona State. Again, that's a paid ass kicking, so whatever. We can ignore that. Uh, this week, RJ Martinez, 27 41, 214 yards and a pick. It was enough, though. Uh, Martinez also rushed for the lone touchdown Northern Arizona accrued. Uh, Kevin Daniels, last year's freshman running back from Northern Arizona last year, so sophomore this year as freshman, led the big sky in conference play, rushing yards. Uh, against Sam Houston goes rushes 17 times for 47 yards through the air or as a reception Hendricks Johnson. That's a name that uh, big sky fans have heard out of Northern Arizona for a while. He leads the way with eight receptions for 101 yards, no touchdowns, but uh, look, the story here of course is Northern Arizona gets a very good win. Probably the most impressive FCS win in the big sky at this point, Sam Houston state, though they're Owen two at this point, they Sam Houston state is still understood as a good win. Sam Houston state's first loss was at number six FBS, Texas A&M. So another throw it out the window for Northern Arizona. This is huge to get to pick up a win like this, but I will throw an asterisk here in eight quarters. Northern Arizona has accrued 13, Total points. Real question. If you're a Northern Arizona lumberjack is, is the offense going to click or is this the product of having a very tough opening two weeks at Arizona state than at Sam Houston this coming week, Northern Arizona hosts North Dakota. That is a one and one North Dakota who jet North Dakota Lost week one to Nebraska, beat perennial top 25, Northern Iowa 29-27 this week. So North, 
North Dakota, that's a relatively rough out of conference game for a big sky team. They're Northern North Dakota's Missouri Valley. So we, we're, that might be a good barometer for us about whether Northern Arizona is real or whether this is look last season, Northern Arizona beat university of Arizona, not a conference play and didn't really mean anything for the lumberjacks heading into the season. They finished, you know, around that 500 ish, like they appear to always do, but we'll see. That's Northern Arizona. We're you'll probably hear more about Northern Arizona next week. So I think how the lumberjacks look against North Dakota will be a little bit more indicative than week one, week two for me. Coming in at number five, University of Idaho. Now they're University of Idaho, kind of like Northern Arizona, pretty damn rough opening two weeks. Week one, Idaho traveled to FP, FBS Washington State. Hung in, lost, uh, lost 24-17. Game was in doubt to the very end. This week, Idaho travels to Indiana University for a, a final FBS contract payout, which means Idaho traveled to Indiana. Indiana expecting to walk away with this game with an easy win, while Idaho returns home with $1.3 million to fund the athletic department. Well, this game was anything but what Indiana expected until the second half. So Idaho behind a stout defensive effort yet again, which is should be a surprise to people who tuned in Idaho last season. Idaho's defense looks look their their speed base. Their strength is speed right now. The real real surprise out Idaho is the sec Idaho's secondary is looking like they're they might not be the best in the big sky, but they're easily looking like a top half big sky secondary. Idaho leads this game 10 to zero at halftime. Did the rain help Idaho? The, this game was postponed a few minutes or 30 ish minutes for a weather delay due to rain. Yeah, maybe it did, but still big sky team getting paid 1.3 million to lose. The game should be over at halftime for this, for the big 10 team. Now Idaho fades in the second half. They get outscored 23 to zero in the third quarter. The result is essentially done, or it's not in no longer in doubt heading into the fourth quarter. Idaho puts up a couple puts up a couple touchdowns in the fourth quarter to make it a little more respectable. Instead, they go down thirty five to twenty two. Uh, offensively, starting quarterback Giovanni McCoy goes thirteen of twenty three for two hundred four yards, throws two throws three touchdowns on the ground. Roshan Johnson led Idaho sixteen carries for sixty three yards, but Anthony Woods. True freshman, 12 carriers for 50 yards. Expect Idaho and Big Sky play to have a rush-heavy attack, which is exactly what we saw both against uh, U- University Washington State and also much more so against Indiana, where Idaho rushes 44 times to 23, 23 passes. That's That might be a little bit closer to what we see in Big Sky play when Idaho's not going up against Power 5 D-lines. But this is back-to-back weeks where Idaho under first-year coach Jason Eck is looking at the very least frisky. They're definitely looking like a team whose defense is going to be a problem for a lot of big sky teams. Same question from first week is present second week. Is Idaho going to have a strong enough offensive line to buy freshman quarterback Giovanni McCoy time? Or is the Idaho's line going to be strong enough and deep enough to let their number one, their one-two running back punch of Roshan Johnson and Anthony Woods do the kind of damage they'll need to. 
uh, not real clear through the air. Idaho's top receiver in terms of number one on the team, Therese trainer. He had one reception for 13 yards, just a rough first couple weeks for Therese trainer against power five teams has three total catches. This game, Michael Graves led the way for Idaho with three receptions for 84 yards and a touchdown, including a 71-yard touchdown from Giovanni. But I'm going to scroll back up to uh, talk about Giovanni McCoy. You guys can handle the math. It's a guy threw for 204 yards in the game, and 71 of them came on one attempt. That means otherwise, the guy was 12 of 22 for 133 yards. Not a particularly effective outing. No turnovers. But in a game where Idaho's defense certainly gave the Vandals a chance to compete, uh, look, Vandals just did not score quite enough. And, you know, again, second half, Power 5 teams have depth. They should be doing this to Big Sky teams. But for Idaho, this is back-to-back weeks where we see impressive losses for Idaho. Our voters have the Vandals at number 5. We're now in – we're in the area right now where you're parsing, look, is a – is an impressive FBS loss like Idaho had both weeks. Does that portend more than an impressive FCS win like Northern Arizona had, where Northern Arizona picks up a win that's going to count for the playoffs? Uh, Same thing we talked about with Portland State. Week one, Portland State has an impressive loss in which they should have beat San Jose State, followed that up getting their ass kicked. Uh, not really clear what these losses mean because if you're look if you're a Vandal fan, impressive losses are cool, but you eventually have to pick up wins. Well, Northern Arizona picked up a win. Idaho did not. We're just going to see Idaho next week host Drake. That's Pioneer Conference Drake. You should expect Idaho's treating that game as their uh, one guarantee. Idaho absolutely scheduled that game to pick up a win. Drake's a Pioneer Conference team. Idaho should be should be killing a team like Drake, especially if the first two performances against power five teams are indicative of who the Vandals truly are. And Idaho should be just like UC Davis. They should be saying, Hey, we got a pioneer conference team week three. We're going to, we're going to tinker with a few things that looked rough in the power five games. We're going to pick up that win that counts for the playoffs. And then we're going to move on. Number four, Sacramento state did not play this week. They were on a bye. We're not going to talk about Sacramento State. talked about Sacramento State last week. Other than to say this week, Sacramento State, they're going to, so this will be their second game. They're going to, they're going to travel to Northern Iowa. That's Missouri Valley team. Reference them earlier as having just lost to North Dakota, another Missouri Valley team. This, this should be viewed as a solid out of conference game. But if Sacramento State truly is the fourth best team in the big sky, the Hornets should be leaving Northern Iowa with a W in their pocket. We're going to see. Coming in at number three, Montana State. Montana State absolutely annihilates Moorhead State, 63 to 13 in Bozeman. This game was 28 to zero at the end of the first quarter. Now, Moorhead State, nowhere near as good as Montana State. This was a scheduled win for Montana State. The Bobcats are going to end the out-of-conference schedule with two two FCS games that count for the playoffs. Quarterback Tommy Malott goes 16-22 for 265 yards. Those are probably in line 
with the numbers voters expected to see out of Malat when he was voted first team preseason, all big sky. No one expects Malat's going to be throwing 30 times for 400 yards or so, but an efficient 22 to 25 throws hitting in that 250 plus yards. That's a real good outing for Malat. Uh, if the Bobcats can get that out of Malat during big sky play, they're they're going to be pretty damn happy and not they're not going to lose the Bobcats will not lose many big sky games if Malat's going to pass that well as look Montana State's done pretty pretty damn well last few seasons they made it to the national championship last season without much quarterback play at all if the Bobcats going to have be a threat through the air it's a completely new new dynamic downside for Montana State they're down to about their fourth string running back. That could be a problem. It was, Mont- it was a problem for University of Montana last season. Uh, this this week, Montana State was led by Sean Chambers on the ground. Seven rushes for 127 yards and two touchdowns. Marquis Johnson also rushed four times for 61 yards and two touchdowns. Elijah Elliott saw the field. He was, Elijah Elliott was the number two running back for Montana State this year. He is buried on the death chart. Four rushes for 32 yards. Injuries might mean Elliott has a little bit more impact this in the in the coming weeks than he had previously. And we Montana State's already down um, a lot. Isaiah Fonze, who is probably the second best running back in the Big Sky, one healthy Alonzo Gilliam, you probably say is the best. Last week, Montana State was led by Lane Sumner for 24 rushes for 176 yards, but Sumner out with injury. Uh, that we're going to watch Montana state in terms of running back health, but otherwise team mostly looks like you'd expect Montana state team to look very strong on the ground. Even with the running back depth, I talked about, they rushed for 290 yards on 31 attempts. That's good for 9.4 yards per carry. Uh, this is a team that's got a strong offensive line. They have a next man up mentality, essentially running back, which they're going to need to, if they're going to be playing their four stringer, Pass for 295 yards as well, 10.2 yards per attempt. Uh, Montana State did did throw two picks, but those both did not come from starter Tommy Malott. That was Sean Chambers' backup when the game was the result of this game was already over, and where Montana State was just playing out the clock. So, in short, two weeks in Montana State mission to conference mission accomplished. They have two blowout wins. Week three for Montana state should be a little bit different. Montana travel, Montana state travels to Corvallis, Oregon to play Oregon state. This is their by game. Oregon state is looked relatively solid this season. Week one, Oregon state beat Boise state week two, Oregon state beat Fresno state 35, 32 Fresno state. We already referenced earlier as being a pretty strong mountain West team. So if you're if, if from the Oregon State Beaver perspective, this should be a walkaway win. But we've already had a few pretty close FCS games, specifically Big Sky games against Power Five teams. We're going to get to a real big uh, Big Sky FBS game in about ten seconds. But that's where Montana State is next week. Look for them to finish out a conference play two and one, exactly as they're as Montana State's supposed to. Then open conference play, hosting Eastern Washington in what's probably going to be the Big Sky Conference actual season, week one game of the week. Number two, Weber State. Man, Weber State last 
in week one. There's just nothing to take away because Weber State played one of two sub D1 games the entire conference had scheduled. So look, uh, Weber State beating a Western Oregon team 41 to 5 meant nothing. So this week, Weber State plays at Utah State. That's an FBS game or FBS team. Utah State is a recently a solid Mountain West team. Man, Weber State beat the hell out of them. The Wildcats beat Utah State 35 to 7, led in the at the start of the fourth quarter. Weber State's up 28-7. Tack on another touchdown. Utah State scores one time. It's a kickoff return for a touchdown. 100 yard. 100 yard kickoff return for a touchdown. Otherwise, Utah State Aggies do not generate a single offensive touchdown. Now, the stereotypical take on Weber State is that the Wildcats can defend anyone and they can't score. Well, we're going to throw a little bit of that out the window right now. One, yeah, Weber State clearly put the clamps on Utah State. 283 total yards for Utah State. Again, that's FBS, a solid FBS team, team that won a bowl game last year. Team that's projected to be solid in the Mountain West. Weber State tra- travels there and just just walks all over him. The what, Weber State allows 157 yards in the air, 126 on the ground. That's 3.9 yards per pass attempt and 3.6 yards per rush attempt. So really, Utah State could do nothing through the air or on the ground. Weber State now, on the other hand, offensively, the Wildcats come up with 401 yards. Pretty damn even split. 202 through the air, 199 on the ground. Bronson Barron, sophomore quarterback for Weber State, goes left for 22, 202 yards, two touchdowns. Now, here's the other wild thing about this game. Weber State, Bronson Barron threw three picks, and the Wildcats still won 35-7. to seven. Uh, Yes, Weber State picked off four passes, but like Weber State, has, Jay Hill always has strong secondaries. That is that's something that's going to be persistent with Weber State. Even on down years, Weber State strong defensively. Weber State changed offensive coordinators this season. Maybe it really does matter. In week one, when Weber State scores 41 against the D2 team, well, look, that, that's kind of irrelevant. Weber State, in the last handful of years, their points per game is inflated by just annihilating teams who are not as talented as them. But then against better teams, not being effective whatsoever offensively. Well, man, if Weber State can score 35 against Utah State, the Big Sky is officially on notice. To me, this is easily, at this point, the most impressive out-of-conference win. My personal ballot, I put Weber State number one. I'm not here to talk about everyone's personal ballot. Um, Weber State clearly had had an effort this week where they should universally be understood as worst-case scenario number three, best-case scenario number one in the conference. Uh, a little bit more of a rundown for the Wildcats running back, Josh Davis guy who's had injury issues for a lot of his career, but when he's healthy, he's damn good. 18 rushes for 94 yards and a touchdown. His long rush was 17. So going 18 to 94 with a long 17 means Davis was pretty damn steady for most of this game. Uh, number two rusher for the Wildcats, Damon Banks in 18 carries for 53 yards. Uh, so reason I bring up number two rusher is number two rusher from last season. Dante McMillan is now looks buried on the depth chart. He McMillan gets seven carries for 14 yards, but 
based off ru the rush distribution, McMillan's clearly not the number two. You'd say Damon Banks is number two. Uh, wide receiver, best wide receiver for Weber State is Ty McPherson. He has three catches for 89 yards, two touchdowns. Longest reception was 62 yards. Jacob Sharp also chips in four receptions, 87 yards, a long of 28. So, yeah, that's that's the Wildcats, man. Uh, Big Sky Conference has to be on notice. I wrote, I wrote Weber State off last week as you know, a D2 game means absolutely nothing. Well, this win means something, man. Uh, blowing out Utah State like this game, virtually never in doubt, not surrendering a single offensive touchdown to Utah State. That's pretty damn impressive. Chiron now we reads as Weber State. But look, that if Weber State's number two, that means number one, second week in a row, University of Montana. And uh, look, Montana... Montana's looked good in both their weeks. Yeah, brain dead if they're going to be number one. But week one, we covered it. Montana hosts Northwestern State. That's a scheduled win for Montana. They pitch a shutout 47-0. Well, this week, Montana hosts South Dakota. That's Missouri Valley, South Dakota. A solid, solid overall program heading into Montana, uh, South Dakota. They were... Look, South Dakota is now 0-2, but week one, look, they lost at Kansas State 34-0. doesn't mean anything. Well, South Dakota, the Coyotes, they're sitting at 0-2 now. Montana just rolls through South Dakota 24-7, pitched a shutout until 6 minutes and 27 seconds left in the, in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, Montana realistically looked like they were going to shut out. A, a solid Missouri Valley Conference football team. Uh, the Grizzlies were picked number one media and coaches poll. They were number one in our power rankings last week. Montana's doing nothing to dissuade anyone from uh, continuing to vote, vote for the Grizz. They're a top five team nationally. Transfer quarterback Lucas Johnson came from South Dakota State. Yet another steady game. Goes 22 of 28 for one touchdown, one interception. Also adds 75 yards on the ground on 13 carries. Rushes for two touchdowns there. So that's Johnson ac accounting for all three of the Grizz touchdowns. Uh, also on the ground, Xavier Harris rushes 10 times for 49 yards. Marcus Knight, who missed all of 2021, starting to look a little bit like his old self, where he led the Big Sky Conference in touchdowns in 2019. He rushes eight times for 42 yards, but breaks off a 20-yard run. In the receiving room, Cole Grossman leads the way yards-wise, two receptions for 64 yards. Junior Bergen, back to his natural position of slot receiver, six receptions, 35 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, freshman Keelan White, who out of camp was a guy who – sorry, sophomore Keelan White. Out of fall camp, Keelan White was a guy who was getting a lot of uh, regional attention for looking very good in fall camp. He's got two catches for 28 number top target, Mitch Roberts, as in like number one receiver on the team, only two catches for 11 yards, but it doesn't matter. Lucas Johnson throws for 180 yards, but the Grizz are in control the entire time on the defensive side of the ball. Grizz surrendered just 209 yards total, uh, including 119 through the air. They give up five yards per pass, five yards per pass is that Dylan McCaffrey line. So Grizz, not shockingly great through the air, but even tighter against the rush. Grizz give up 90 yards on 36 attempts. That's two and a half yards per rush. 
Grizz don't force any turnovers, but still win 24 to seven. So look, this is uh this is a very talented Montana Grizzly team. Just spent a little bit of time talking about the talking about the offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball, Montana well, special teams. First, Malik Flowers finally got to return a kick, one for 24 yards. Malik Flowers is going to be kicked away from a ton or you know, have touchbacks as well. Malik Flowers is the best kick returner in the big sky, and teams are smart to try to keep the ball out of his hands. He's in the receiving room as well, but he's he's you know he's not a number one, number two target for the Grizz. But yeah, de- look, defensive defensive side of the ball, it's tough really to overstate how much talent uh, Montana has. You know, we have Justin Ford, best cornerback in the league, Patrick O'Connell, one of the one of the best linebackers in the league. We go on and on about the Grizz starters who are going to who are going to be names to pay attention to this season. But look, the gist of it is Montana's number one because worst case scenario, the only justifiable place to vote the Grizz is number one or number two. The Grizz have done everything they've they possibly could in the first two weeks. This looks like a kind of classic. This game to me was a little bit more, I don't know, maybe classic Bobby Houck where the Grizz control the ball. Uh, the final score is, you know, it's a 17 point win, but it's a 17 point win for the Grizz that feels analogous to like if Eastern won by 35, because that's who, that's who the Grizz are. So Montana already has two wins counting for the playoffs this week. The Grizz travel to Indiana State. That's a Missouri Valley, Indiana State. Uh, not a particularly good Missouri Valley team, but look, the Grizz are gonna they, they have the optimal schedule for a Big Sky school, as in they have, they're gonna likely end out a conference with three wins, three FCS wins account for the playoffs. It's going to be virtually impossible for the Grizz to not make the playoffs because they're gonna easily get to that seven win threshold. But look, this Montana team truly, it's a eight game conference season. They've got three wins already. Nine wins in my mind is a worst case scenario for this Montana team right now. Uh, Lucas Johnson, last season, Montana's weakness was not being able to move the ball offensively, but being just damn stout on the defensive side of the ball. Well, look, this year's Grizz can score pretty, pretty damn well. That's going to be, that's most of the show. Uh, you know, this again, it was brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. If you're looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental U.S. located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Mill Fork of the Salmon, the Main Salmon River, No Return, Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. You can check out our special trips like the one to see the Perseid Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike seam trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river and finish and fish on the most remote stretch of the river in the country. You just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on a vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. You guys, uh, this is our final week for most teams about a conference play. Keep tuning in. Tubs the Club is churning out three episodes a week. Two of them are Vandal centric. This is our Big Sky. This is our one show that covers the entire Big Sky. Check out some of the other podcasts, the Big Sky Podcast Network, like Grizz Fan Podman. If you want to know anything about the Grizz, listen to Grizz Fan. They record on Sundays as well. RR Catcast is great for Montana State. Weber State Weekly is. 
the single place to go if you want to know about the Wildcats. And based off how Weber State was against Utah State, you should want to know about the Wildcats this season. Eagle Power Hour as well covers Eastern Washington. We've got, again, we got a ton of shows. The podcast world or YouTube world for FCS is as good as it has ever been. Tune in. And also, if you're a Vandal fan, again, Tubbs of the Club, you know this channel. Join us each week. I'm going to, we're about to close this out. Thanks everyone who tuned in. And when we post this, guys, look, if you think, you think our rankings are dumb, please just tell us. Tell us everything we got wrong. We'll listen or we'll at least pretend to listen. And with that, we're going to call it a night. Thanks for coming in. We'll see you on Tubbs the Club on Tuesday. Or if you're just here for the conference show, I'll see you again Sunday. Oh, my God.